Amen. God is good. Well, glad to see everyone here and for those family members watching online. Uh, we're grateful for your presence. And shall we stand for the reading of God's Word? It is our uh, discipline indeed to honor, to worship God in respect to the reading of His Word. And I would like to invite you uh, to please uh, open your Bible to the book of Psalm. Uh, Psalm 139 is our uh, passage in our study uh, this afternoon. And this is what the Word of God says in Psalm 139. Follow along as I read. And, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them how precious to me are your thoughts O God how vast is the sum of them if I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Praise be to God for the reading of His word. Let's let us pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for such a time that despite of what we're going through in life and in, in the midst of this pandemic, 
God, you are in control. You are not surprised, you are not taken back in what's happening in our very lives today, even in our church, in, in, in this city, in this county, in this state, even in this country. God, not just in this country, but everywhere, everywhere else in the world. You know it all together, Father. You know what is happening. God, you are in perfect control of what's happening in the world today. May we stand confident and hopeful, knowing, Father, that you are in control, that you are sovereign. There's no reason for us as your children to, to feel hopeless, to be anxious of anything, knowing, Father, that your peace passes all understanding. And I pray that you would empower your people, that you would open our eyes to behold the wonderful things out of your law. May you speak, O Lord. Grant us clarity of heart and mind, that indeed, if there's any sins that needs to be confessed, any thoughts, any priorities, that are not aligned to your will, I pray, Father, that this would be a day, an hour for us to come to the throne of grace to confess them in humility. God, we pray. We pray, Father, for us here as we learn your word, as we hear your word. We pray, Father, for our families who are watching online those who are tuning in at this very time, we, we pray, Father, that you would remove any distractions. That the very word is right in front of us. That your spirit is convicting us, working at this very time. We pray, dear Lord, that you remove anything that's hindering us, whatever it may be, Father even the very thoughts, because you see it all, Father. May you remove those things away from us so we can solely focus our hearts and minds to hear your word. We thank you for the working of your spirit. We thank you, Father, for what you have done and what you have given us this past week. We thank you for the trials and the difficulties. We thank you because you are in control. So Father, we come now asking, Father, for your spirit to reveal yourself even more. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen, amen and Amen. What a wonderful chapter that we find ourselves in at this very hour. I hope that the outline and the chapter that I've sent this past week through text messages have encouraged you to make it as your devotional time to come and ready and prepare to hear God's Word. That the Lord is already working in your heart as you have walked in here and worshiping with us even for those watching from home. 
Psalm 139 is all about God simply and solely. The late Dr. R.C. Sproul once, once asked what people's greatest need was, and Dr. Sproul responded with, the greatest need in people's lives today is to discover the true identity of God. Listen, the true identity of God. He, he goes on to say that the greatest spiritual need in church people today is to discover the true identity of God. If believers really understood the character and the personality and the nature of God, it would revolutionize their lives. End quote. Indeed, my beloved, it is in our human DNA to search for God. While we live in a day and time where selfishness and self-preoccupied uh, preoccupation reign supreme, there is always within us a deep nagging question. And what is that question? Who is God? A.W. Tozer once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Hear it again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Everything in your life is directly influenced by your knowledge of who? Of God. The decisions you make, the places in which you go, the, the association that you make, the friends that you make, matters. What you believe and how you live is all governed by who you believe God is. High thoughts about God leads to high worship of God, leads to high holy living, and low thoughts of about God, unsurprisingly, to low worship and low in base living. It's important for us in how we think and process about God. The God who created us. The God who knows all things. The God knows about you, about me. Tozer was right. And as your knowledge of God, so goes your entire life. Therefore, it is critical that we understand who God is. It, it is critical that we know what God is like because our entire life is being directed in the knowledge of God. And that is why Psalm 139 is so important in our spiritual lives because it makes a very significant contribution. It makes very significant deposit into our hearts and minds regarding the right and proper knowledge of God. And this psalm gives us a towering view of God. And reveals God as few places in Scripture. And it is in this Psalm, in this in this Psalm 139, that we come to understand that not only is God infinite, but He is also intimate. Not only is God transcendent, but He is also eminent. Not only is God high and lifted up, but God is also close and near 
to his people. It's not either or it is both, it's and. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. That we must give account. Our lives is an open book before a holy God. He, he, he not only takes note of our actions, He knows our motivations. Psalm 139 was penned or written by whom? By King David. It clearly divides into four stanzas of six verses each. In our English text, it is something of a combined psalm made of a hymn, praise, thanksgiving, lament, confession, meditation, and prayer. You get to see all this in this chapter. Six verses each, four stanzas, and you see the amazing truth of who God is. It has the characteristics of both the edifying psalm and the wisdom psalm. Some form of the word know dominates the passage occurring six times in verse 1, 2, 4, 6, 14, and 23. The word know. King David boldly and joyfully declares that God knows everything. Amen? In verses 1 through 6. That God is everywhere. Verses 7 through 12. That God can do anything in verses 13 through 18. And that God will deal with everyone in verses 19 through 24. So King David knew, as we must know, that Wrong ideas about God will certainly lead to wrong ideas about who we are. So such wrong thinking can lead, can tragically lead to wrong decisions, leading to the wrong path, resulting in the wrong destiny. This is an important message to hear for each every one of us. In this psalm, David is amazed by God's knowledge. Not only does he know everything about me and about you, but he knows what I do and when I do it. He, he takes note of everything I do and every word I speak. And, and in the midst of that, he takes note of my every need. Isn't God amazing? To know the fact that God knows about you in a personal way in a most intimate, intimate and, and deep way. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. I want you to listen, church, in how God takes note of everything, of who you are, and what your needs are. Listen. Listen to this passage. In verse 26 and following says, of chapter 10, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the roof in the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are more valued than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before man, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before man, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. I'll, I will remind you that there is nothing more important in your Christian life that you have a right in proper understanding of who God is because it will direct worship, it will direct your pursuit of holiness, it will direct your evangelism, it will direct you, it will direct your ministry, it will be the leading cause of everything else in one way or another. We must have God right. We cannot be wrong here. If we are wrong here, we will be wrong everywhere else. So church, I want to acknowledge, I, I want to exhort you, I want to encourage you to have a proper understanding, a biblical understanding of who God is. That it's important that you find yourself reading God in His Word. Not to some other sources. But you will know God even at this very chapter that we find ourselves in. That we know God. We cannot have a wrong view of who God is. The first thing I want us to see in verses 1 through 6, our God knows everything. Please raise your hand if, if you know everything. Only God knows everything. I, I, I know Pastor, my wife tends to say she's right. Amen? Right? Brother? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even though we know we're right at the, most of the time, majority of the time, the wife will always say what? I'm right. Right? Stanza 1 affirms a simple and basic truth. David is in awe of God that, that he cares for us. God knows all about you. This is the doctrine of the what? Omniscience of God. With, with spiritual X-ray vision, God peers into your soul and sees who you are, who you truly are. No detail escapes His watching eyes. God is never surprised or caught off guard. He knows the very fabric of who you are, of who I am. Note the powerful verb action of this stanza. In verse 1, you have searched me, underline that. You have known me, underline that. You know, you, 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 you discern in verse 2. In verse 3, you, you search out. You are acquainted of my ways. You know all together in verse 4. In verse 5, you hem me in. See, David moves to address four specific or particular ways in which the omniscient God knows us. I believe he would testify God knows me until it hurts. You see, church, God knows you even in your distress. God knows you when you feel in trouble. 
whatever heartache, whatever issues or concerns or anxiety that might be building up in your life, one thing that you and I can know here that God knows us in these six verses. The first thing I want us to see in verse 1 is that God knows my heart. God knows my heart. You, oh Lord, oh Yahweh, you, you, you have searched me and known me. See, God knows your character. This is to say God knows David in his, in his person perfectly. His character as being, God knows his essence. God knows who he is and what he is in a very fabric of his soul. This is both convicting and comforting. God knows me inside out. Amen. He, he has exhaustive knowledge of my soul. God knows you. This word search, it, it, it's like when Joshua and Caleb search out the country, explore the country, to, to spy on it, to see what it will be like. So they went and searched. They searched the promised land. They, they, as if in, in Judges chapter 18, they explored the country. You know what it is, what it's like to search, amen? When you have lost your cell phone, what do you do? You are searching, you're looking where you left it. The last time you used it, where, where was that? Especially your keys, right? You probably go crazy looking and searching for that. I remember getting lost in the middle of the forest in, in Hawaii. You know me, I, I love to go, excuse me, I love to go hiking by myself in Hawaii for some reason. Um, the second time I went hiking by myself, I got lost in the middle of the forest, right? Two hours later, that's when I realized I, got, I was lost. So I was searching my way I was searching the path that I was, that I was in, but it, the ways was wet. It rained the night before, and, it, and the road, the, the, the walkway, was, the path was not there. So I prayed, I searched the area, I just keep looking, and then I explored until the Lord led me out till the Lord helped me and answered my prayer and that's like four or five hours later right but I want you guys to see and relate to what God says here in verse 1 God is as though you have searched me out and explored me and have discovered everything about me and there's nothing that you don't know about me deeply and intimately that's how God is in your life. That God knows you and He has discovered everything about you. Yes, a little more that you have somewhere in your body that no one knows. Right? Even the very thoughts that you have that no one else knows. Only God knows. You know, many of us perhaps have soul secrets that we keep hidden from others, even those close to us. 
We are relieved to know that no one knows some of the things we have thought and some of the emotions we have felt. However, someone does know. The Lord has set you. He knows it all. He knows it all. So whatever thoughts, whatever emotions that you may have at this very time, or even last night when you woke up this morning, whatever may be, God knows. Charles Spurgeon wrote, The Lord knows us thoroughly as if He had examined us minutely and had pried into the most secret corners of our being. That's powerful. Our heart, our soul is an open book to God. You know, a lot of people would say, you know, my life is an open book. I've said this to our church as well. My life is an open, open book. But there are things in my mind, in my heart, that no one else knows except God. Right? There are things that, you know, when you want to communicate to your spouse, you, you, you're going to try and, and pry it out, right? When, when, you want, when you want your husband to, to clean the dishes that's been stuck for days, you, you, not, you, probably, wanna, you probably want to think about, oh, when, when is he going to do it? But you got to pry it out to your husband. Hey, when, when are you going to, you know, this thing's been stuck. In this thing, what, what, what's happening? Right? When are you going to clean all this out? See, we got to do that. But God does not need to do that. The Lord knows and has set you and He knows it all. Verse 2 and 3 says this to us. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, and you, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. God knows your conduct. God knows my action. The you here is emphatic. The, the, the opposites, my sitting down and my rising up, denote all of our actions. You hear that? Our daily activities are completely familiar to our God. What's your activities like? Right? When you wake, the first thing you wake up in the morning, what, what do you do? The Bible says, look, God knows when you sit down and when you rise up. Right? When you go to bed, and when you wake up in the morning, God knows. Right? Maybe the first thing that you do in the morning, your activity is what? Open your, um, grab your cell phone. Amen? Right? He, he knows your daily activities. He says, you, you, comp you comprehend it. My, my path, my, you comprehend my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. Indeed, even my attitudes and motives behind my actions are known by God. Since you understand, you discern my thoughts are far off. He is acquainted with the habits of your personality. He sees how your past experience affect your present life. He is familiar with the mixtures of your ambitions and fears, hopes and dreams that rumble around inside you. Right? How many of you today are anxious about something? How many of you are worried what the future will be like? Will I have a job tomorrow? Will, 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 I, be, will, will I still be healthy uh, tomorrow? Will my children will still be here tomorrow? Will my spouse will still be here tomorrow? 
You see here, church, with all those things rumbling inside of us, the, the, the ambitions we have, the fears that we have, the hopes that we have, distance is no hindrance or barrier to, to your microscopic knowledge in full of each and every human being. God knows that. You know, you, you not only know what I do, you even know why I do it, something I may not even know at times. God is intimately acquainted with all my ways. In verse 4, God knows my words. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. God knows your conversation in your head. How many of you like to talk to yourself? Amen? That only you want to hear yourself, right? No one else. Like at times you're talking out loud. I'm like, what are you talking about, Pastor? Right? So God knows your conversation even before you say it. He, he knows and He knows them exhaustively and He knows it completely. That means all together. You know what I'm going to say before what? I say it. Right? I mean, some of you like to watch movies. You probably know. Probably, perhaps you've, you've watched me. You've heard me preach many times, right? You probably could say already what the next word or words will be the moment I utter a certain sentence in my mouth, right? But you know what? God is not taking back of that. God knows it perfectly before we say it. This intimate knowledge of God is very extraordinary. It's, it's beyond amazing. It's mind-boggling. You and I, in an unguarded or angry moment, blurt out something foolish or even hurtful to our loved ones. You know, like we had not planned to say that, I, I, I surprised myself, right? God was not surprised, He was not caught off guard in the least. In verse 5 and 6, God knows my destiny. You hem me in, behind and before, and and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. God knows your course. In fact, He has surrounded and hemmed you in. We are, we are enveloped. We are enclosed by His love and His care. God has set us where we be. And beside us where we, where we will be. Behind us there is God recording our sins or in grace blotting out the remembrance of them and before us there is God for knowing all our deeds and providing for all our wants. We, we, we cannot turn back and so escape Him for He is behind. We, we cannot go forward and unmarch Him for He is before and laid His hand before me. And I, as I was thinking about this message and I was thinking about my life prior to Christ. At the age of 16, I remember for a few days I was sleeping in the car, scared, right? I, I, I got kicked out from my house along with my siblings at the age of 16. So I had to live on my own and sleep in the car here in LA. I made sure I stayed along the, the, the quiet neighborhood praying and asking. I wasn't a believer then. I got saved when I was 18 by the grace of God. When I was looking at this, I thank you Lord, you know my destiny. 
you know what happened that night you know what my fears were at that night you know what I was thinking that night if I'm gonna survive the next morning and then the next day and the next day where I would be the next few days am I gonna be stuck in this car for the next week or two but I praise God that he kept me and he kept me safe he protected me he was watching over me he cared for me when no one else cared for me how do I know he loves me and cares for me because he has laid his hand upon me the, the child of God is clearly in view here he guides me and he comforts me I cannot escape him but then why would I want to in verse 6 such knowledge is too wonderful for me the word wonderful is an emphatic position at the beginning of the sentence it really strengthens its force it has the idea of surpassing or extraordinary such knowledge is so wonderful for us to think about what God can do and who God is and how He cares for us. It's so wonderful. It's mind-boggling. It's we, it, I, 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 I'm speechless. Divine omniscience is simply too high for us to get it. I don't know about you. Do you get it? Do you get how amazing God is in your life when you think about it? I still can't. I still can't. When I think about my trials and the difficulties that I have gone through and how God has allowed me to go through, I can't. And where I find myself now, I can't. I still don't get it. It's beyond me. It's very surpassing in that sense. try as we might we, we can't go there it, it goes beyond my wildest imagination when I thought about the time uh, even as I was going through this message and there's just so many things just flooding my mind and, and how God has been so good in my life and, and when I think about how extraordinary God is and how much he had, how many times he had rescued me from my trials and my difficulties Think of a moment in your life and in how God delivered you, in how He protected you, and how God came alongside of you. Amen? When you do that, it should encourage you, church. I remember a time when the doctor asked my wife and I to make a decision, either your wife or your child. There was fear that entered in my heart. But I praise God for the peace that I saw in my wife at that very moment. So when I go back and think about this and how God is amazing, I go back there. I go back to the time and how He has shown me His grace upon grace. Whatever sins that I was in, whatever trials that I find myself in, God was there. Even in this pandemic that we find ourselves, a, a lot of people 
are confused about this situation. God is in control. People have lost their jobs. My heart aches, my, my heart goes out for them when I see all this, the high employment rate, all these things. But God is still in control. So here, church, David begins to reflect on the intimate attention the Creator of the universe pays to us. He, he, he just has to stop and take a break. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to know. I mean, I, when you think, when I go to the beach and when I go there and I just worship God and when I think about and meditate upon His kindness in my life, that's where I find myself just like, just like King David. Because you have to stop and take a break and appreciate what God is doing in your life instead of complaining, instead of whining about all these things. Rather consider the goodness and the kindness of God in your life. It's too great for me to know. David just has to stop and worship. I, I can't believe that he cares that much about me. God loves me that I could ever imagine. I'm not sure I can take it anymore. Remember those times that you find yourself in sin? And how God delivered you from that to victory? And how when your broken relationship with your loved ones has been restored and God was so faithful to help you go through that? Oh church, you cannot stop. You must stop. You must take a break and acknowledge the goodness and the grace of God in your life. Just like King David here. See, I, it's just so much. Just to be able for, for David to, to show, to see that God loves him. Point number two, in verses 7 through 12. Our God is everywhere. Our God is, is everywhere. God is with me wherever I go. In verses 7 through 10. Verse 7 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Oh, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shoal, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts, you are of the sea. Even, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is bright as the day, for darkness is light with you. Verse 7 utilizes two rhetorical questions that anticipate the answer. Look at verse 7, church. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where, or where shall I flee from your presence? And what's the answer, church? Where, what's the answer? Nowhere. Nowhere. Amen? Nowhere. They are a beautiful example of semantic parallelism as the two questions complement one another. Verses 8 and 9 use two pairs of hypothetical opposites which include everything in between them. So as you go up to heaven, which is north, you are where? You are there. If I make my resting place in the grave or in the shore, 
which is in the south. Where is God? He's there. The place of the dead. You are there. You are up and down and everywhere in between. If I take the wings of the morning, that means east. And go east at the speed of light. And if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, where? In the west, which is the Mediterranean Sea. You are there too. Uh, when I was looking at this, like, man, I remember being in the Mediterranean Sea. Right? I was there. I, I, I know what west looked like. I know what east looked like. Verse 10 provides the conclusion of the whole matter. Even there your hand shall lead me. The direction. And your right hand shall hold me. Which is God's protection. Anywhere and everywhere I might go, you are there with what is best for me in your sight. The preciousness of Psalm 139 is not only that God sees me, that He leads me and holds me up wherever I am. God is with me wherever you go. Right? When you look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, towards the end, what was that says? God will be what? With you? In Norco? In, in Riverside? In Eastvale? What does the Bible say? He will, he will be with us, even to the uttermost part of the earth, right? Praise God. God is with us. He is everywhere. Second thing I want us to see there is that God is, is with me wherever I am. In verse 11 to 12. Distance cannot separate me from the omnipresent God. Darkness cannot hide me from His presence either. Turn off the lights. Pull the drapes, close the blinds, pull those covers over your head. Darkness may conceal one man from another, but it cannot never hide a man from God. Right? How many of you like to hide, play hide and seek? Right? You cannot hide from God. Wherever you go, God is there. God knows where I am. God knows where you are. You cannot hide from God. The third thing is our God can do anything in verses 13 through 18. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written. Every one of them in the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than this. And I awake, I am still with you. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. An important passage for us to remember, Jeremiah 1, verse 4 and 5. I love how when God spoke to Jeremiah, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I already know you. I knew you. 
See, God saw us and loved us before He made us as He made us, church. Omnipotence needs us together in the dark and sacred place of our mother's womb. Even before she knew she was pregnant, the Lord was busy shaping and forming me in my mother's womb. Father, He was already laying out the particulars of my life. David wants each one of us to know that God cares about our beginning in verses 13 through 15. And He cares about our future in verses 16 through 18. Look back in verse 13. Now let's connect three stanzas with both stanzas 1 and 2. It says you, again, you, the word you is emphatic, right? You and no other form or created me, even my inward or inmost parts, like your kidneys. How many, of you, how many kidneys do you have? Right? Even if you have one missing, I, I think I know someone in our church only has one kidney. Right? But you had it before. Right? So God formed you with two kidneys. Every one of us. Right? I, I want you to think how amazing this is. Right? Th this truth is. All that I am inwardly, body and soul, God made us. Right? How delicate your, our body is. Right? I mean, I, I was thinking like, you know, let me pull up some anatomy here and to make, to make me look smart in front of majority of you are in the nursing field. I said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'll let Nash do that next time. Right? Man, when I'm just sticking, all I could think of is his kidney. Right? I'm sure there are other parts in our body that's very, right, that we know of. Right? All I could remember is the gut. Right? It says, look, he covered, he, he's, we're woven, we're knitted. God was involved in the intricate details. As a skilled craftsman would knit a, a piece of cloth or weave a beautiful basket, this is how God made us. Very detailed. David marvels over the mysterious process of a, develop, a developing baby inside his or her mother. He, he can only break out in praise seeing we are fearfully and wonderfully made in verse 14. Isn't that amazing? Right? I, I, I mean, when, when the baby, when you look at the baby, how the baby comes out, even the doctor is like, wow, how, how that happens? And how it turns and just comes out naturally. Right? I mean, parents, you remember when you held your child the very first time, amen? And the second one, and the third one, and the fourth one, and the fifth one. You, you remember those times. How amazing it was to see your child sitting next to you now. Right? You remember those moments you as a mom delivered the child that God created inside of your womb very detailed in a specific way. So we, we are awestruck with wonder, amazement and reverence at God's magnificent creation. Right? What is the most amazing thing that God has created? 
it's not those beautiful places that you have visited, right? When you go to Utah or Arizona, all those things, or when you go to um, up north and look at Sequoia and all those things, you may stand in awe and amazement. Wow, God created this, right? When you go up in New York and go in the border of Canada, what's that place? Niagara Falls, right? Niagara Falls, there you go. No? Never mind. But you know what I'm talking about. When you go and visit these places, you cannot wait and get off your car and take a picture so you can and post it on Facebook and get people excited. Wow, that, was, that looks amazing. But how many of us have stopped? And look at your child and say, you know what? God has created you. You're amazing. Right? You're an amazing child. I mean, I'm watching Talitha growing up before our eyes, right? I'm not, you know, that, that's the nicest child. How we get to see it from picture, the development of Talitha. I mean, you know, we were so amazed with, with Johnny growing up. Now we kind of just put him aside, right? Nash? No, not really. Well, he gave me a thumbs up, so that means... Right? But it, it, I mean, seeing her picture now growing up, uh, how old is she now? Four months. Four months. Right? You guys couldn't wait to hold her when she came out, right? But now it's like, look at her. You know her personality, you know her particulars now. She's got a strong neck, right? Like her mom, not her dad, right? Right? She sleeps really, really well like her dad, right? That's her particulars. I don't know anything, I'm just guessing here, right? But here, church, we, we need to stand amazed in God's presence. David sees the works of this great creator God as marvelous, wonderful. He, he affirms my soul, knows it very well. Do you? He, he has no doubts either about the creator or the tiny creation in view. There is no human life in there put there by God. The theme of God's omniscience now makes another appearance. Says, right, my frame, the, the bones, right? Nothing is hidden from God. You, you, you see everything and you know everything. Made in the secret hidden place within my mother, I was skillfully, intricately woven. The, the message says this, You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, and how I was sculpted from nothing into something. It says, In the lower parts of the earth is simply a poetic expression, a figure of speech that points to the darkness, the hiddenness and secrecy of the, of the mother's womb. We may not know all that is going on, even with 4D. Now, so you guys had 4D? Man, must be nice, right? Good memories. But you, you could still see something limited, right? You could be amazed. You see the nose, does that look like Rachel or Nash, right? Do you see the ears, right? The, the arms, right? You, you see all that part is, is, is amazing, right? And you, you can't wait to post it and share it to others. 
See, even with the sonograms, our knowledge of all that is unfolding and developing inside a mother's womb is so small and so insignificant in comparison to what, to what, what our God sees and what He knows. So let me ask you this. How do these verses relate to abortion? David is not talking about abortion here, but the truths in these verses have everything to do with how a believer ought to view abortion. We fight for life. We are pro-life. For this very reason, sanctity of life is important, church. It's not political in any level. God has created us. God has created that child in the womb in the most amazing way. And not just the United States of America, but anywhere in the world where, where abortion is high. And how wicked men can be to kill an innocent, innocent child growing inside a mother's womb. Right? You remember when you have lost your child, you, you know the pain, you know the heartache. Even in the midst of that, in how God was forming that, you remember as a mom and as a dad, in how you have lost your child in the womb. God knows and God cares. Life is important. God knows all of our days the beginning, the number, the end, and our accomplishments. See, God knows how long we will live in this earth, and how long your child will, will live in this earth. So God knows our beginning, God knows our end. He knows everything in between. He, he knew them even at the time of our conception and development within our mother's womb. You see, He not only for my body, He also foreordained my life. In verses 16 through 18, once more omniscience and omnipotence come together, working hand in hand. God saw me at the moment of conception as an unformed substance. Even when I wasn't much, I was still something to Him. In fact, He pre-recorded and set out in advance all my days. God wrote all the details of my life in His book. He fashioned and formed all the days of my life when none of them yet existed. God had a plan for David. God has a plan in your life. Even the most difficult things, even the challenges, the challenging things in your life, those are part of God's plan. Those are part of God's plan in your life. Even here as we're meeting here in person, as well as online, this pandemic, God knows it. He foreordained this. So God has a plan for each of us. But in terms of length of life, the specifics of life, God has His purpose and plans. Once more, this truth inspired David to break out in praise to his God in verses 17 and 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. Right? As a husband and wife, when your 
your husband writes something and tells you something about you, you're probably like, man, thank you. I, I, I love, I didn't realize that's how, you, how you've been thinking about me all this time. Right? You, you get excited as a wife when your husband comes to you with a flowers and, and, and ready to serve you, right? And, and willing to do anything and, and, and tells you he loves you. Right? But, but, but David, in verse 7, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sands. So he breaks out in praise. Can I tell you, church, even here, God knows about your scars, your pain, your sorrows. God not only knows everything that we have done, He also knows everything that has been done to us. It, it seems that everyone you meet is broken in a way or, or another. The process of discovering that surprised me, but it doesn't surprise God. Not only is, this, is He intimately aware of every move you make, He is intimately aware of your brokenness. God is aware of your hurt. When, when your spouse or when your parents or when your pastor, your former pastor or whoever, or even your current pastor have hurt you, God knows your brokenness. God is aware of your pain and your sorrow. God is not surprised of that. When I look at my past and how I grew up, God is not surprised of the pain that I went through as a child or the joys as a child. God is fully aware of that. Psalm 56 verse 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You, you have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. There is security in the fact that God knows. He is not some distant uh, observer. He, no feeling, no wound, no scar escapes his attention. God knows you intimately. God is not far away from you. When you draw near to God, He will what? He will draw near to you. He will never, he will never leave us, nor forsake us. He is fully aware of your pain and your sorrow, church. Wherever you may be in your life at this moment, God cares. God loves you this much. He gave His Son to die for you, that you may have hope in this life. So nothing escaped the knowledge of God about you. And for our last point in verse 14, our God will deal with everyone. Our God will deal with everyone. The fourth and final stance establishes what could be called a dangerous prayer towards the end. Our great God is a good God. Uh, uh, he's a just God, a righteous God. Nothing is beyond His knowledge, presence, or power. He is indeed an omnicompetent God. Here we see His com competency applied to the moral order of things. David notes in stark contrast the heart and mind of those who oppose God and are his enemies in verse 22. With those who seek God and are his, and are his children. 
Our Lord knows everything that is going on with each and every one of us, both good and the bad. In a psalm of old, a psalm that vividly calls on God to judge the wicked who do great evil. David's, David asked God to slay the wicked. And at the same time, he pleads with the Lord to search his own heart, knowing the utter depravity of, of a man apart from God's saving grace. He's not looking down his nose at others. He knows his own sin too, as we see in verse 23 and 24. In verse 19 through 22, these men were evil in action. These men were evil with their words. These men were evil in their agenda. Kind of what we see today in our, in our society. There are many men who are evil. At times, they're holding us back of worshiping and coming together. There are men who are evil wants to kill unborn child. There are men who want to oppress those who are weak. So these men were enemies of David because they were the enemy of God. This is not a personal vengeance. This is not a, a personal malice. This is an appeal for God to take in for God to take for vengeance. Hate means to reject and oppose. Emotions are involved to be sure, but this is a reason, a, a, a volitional response to David's part. David asked God to deal with the wicked, to this evil man. God handled these evil people. What God hates, David hates. That's where David was. In verse 23 and 24, our God will lead the humble. And I want you to watch here. I want you to catch towards the end of this. Four verbs catch our eye as David comes before the Lord in humility. I love this. This is a dangerous prayer. All right? You can put that in your Bible. Dangerous prayer. Verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God. And know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's, there be any grievous or sin in me and lead me in a way everlasting. When I got to this part, I got stuck. It's heavy. Search me, try me, see me and lead me. Like the word search in verse 23 is the same word as in use in where? In verse 1. Why on earth would he close his prayer, search me, O God, and know me? And the answer is, God, God, search me and bring to me the, uh, the surface. Bring to me the surface so I can see what you see, so I can know, so I can confess, so I can search. Search me, O God, and, and know my heart so we can get this out in the open. How many of us have prayed this? And what David is saying, look, dig deep within me so it will all be mine down to the very knowledge of my heart and brought out in a clear daylight so that I can see those blind spots in my life, so I can see what is hidden from my own sight. Amen? There are sins in our lives, church. Amen? That we need to ask God 
Lord, do do a work in my heart. Right? Do 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 a surgery in my heart. Reveal what's in my heart, God. But how many times? I mean, yes, even when we pray before God, we ask God for our petitions. We ask God for for those things that we want in life. God knows all those things together. But how many of us are praying that God search my heart, oh God? The word try here means to test as a refiner would test metal. So let's put to the test, examine the quality of my heart and know my vicious thoughts so that I can deal with things in my life. Because we have blind spots. I have blind spots. You have blind spots. That's why we need to gather as a church to come alongside to correct one another. We need to be continually walking in the presence of God. And so thus, church, we need to come in humility before God. Can I ask you this question, church? Would you be so bold as to pray this to God today? Verse 23 and 24. Write that question in your Bible somewhere or in your notes. Would I be bold as to pray this to God today? Am I bold enough? Don't have the courage to ask God to, to reveal, to examine, to try my heart. Confessing your sins, right? Certain priorities, right? So whatever priorities, as we have talked about last week from last week's message, amen? Right? And how we need God to work in our hearts. Right? And this is something I've shared publicly in our, I think in our Bible study. Right? In our Bible study last Tuesday. Right? I was in trouble watching K-dramas, like Korean dramas, mess me up. Right? I had to confess that. Right? Because... I spent so much time watching K-dramas or Korean dramas that I wasn't focused in my walk with God. So I, I, I needed God to reveal the certain attitudes, certain activities in my heart, certain priorities that I needed to get right with God. Right? So whatever certain priorities that you may have, Right, because last week we're like, Lord, uh, wake me up in the morning. I want to meet with you. I, I want all of you, right? When you think about your certain activities, your certain ideas, or whatever it may be, and this is what we're asking here. We need to confess them before God. We, you know, we must. Those things must be named and brought before the throne of grace and ask God's forgiveness. God will reveal what needs to be dealt with. See, when you and I are humble enough to, to come and to go to the great, to the throne of grace, God will reveal that. When we humble ourselves enough, right? And this is something I've said in the Bible study, so far I have one and a half week victory, right? I can't, I can't rejoice yet. I can't say, you know what, I have, I have not touched uh, K-dramas on Netflix or whatever sites I was watching on, right?
So I had to ask God for forgiveness. God will reveal what needs to be dealt with. So Psalm 139 verse 24, And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in a way everlasting. That's the point. Life. God wants us to live. I mean the grievous way, literally way of pain. It is pain resulting from wrong attitudes and actions. See when you look at verse 23 and how it connects to verse 24, it is your wrong attitudes and your wrong actions is how you are responding. Such a way leads to suffering and even to death. You see church, as we're talking about that God knows everything, God knows about your sin, that God knows about my sin. All is hurtful to God, all sin hurtful to me and to others. If God is infinitely familiar with everything about me, then He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that's very terrifying. See, God does not want you to be miserable. He does not reveal your sin to condemn you. He reveals your sin to set you free. Amen. Right? I believe David grew to understand God will often use greatly those he wounds deeply. And he knew such wounds were necessary to bring life and healing to his soul. David wants God to take charge of his life and lead him in a way everlasting, the way of life with God. When it comes to who we are, God wants us to know that He is intimately familiar with everything there is to know about you and I. We, we have His undivided attention. He, he loves us that much. When it comes to our brokenness, God wants us to know that He has not missed a thing. And He hurts when he, with us and there is healing available. And when it comes to our sin, God wants us to come out, out of hiding so He can set us free. He, he, he wants to remove our guilt and shame and replace it with everlasting life. In conclusion, how do we apply Psalm 139? The greatest of all comforts is to know that God knows, is, and there. That He is there for us. No wonder God knows me. He made me. The closer we grow to God, the greater our distance from sin and the wickedness of this world. May you find great comfort this day that this God is with you. He is with you. He will bless you. If you do not know this God, there is only one way to know this God. That there is no two or three or seven. That is to come to His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know God? Do you know Christ as your Savior and Lord? You need to come to Him. You need to confess your sin before God. You need to repent of your sin and to throw yourself upon His mercy and say, The Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. Have you come to that point in your life? Have you confessed your sin before a holy God? If you believe in the Son, He will take you to the Father and lead you to the Father and they will, He will lead you into a personal relationship with the Father through the Son and the, through the Spirit. You've never believed in Christ. He will tell you He knows you just as well as He knows a believer and you have every reason in the world to forsake His Son and to flee the Lord Jesus Christ. But may God give you much grace this day to believe, to truly believe upon Jesus Christ today. As I invite 
our praise team, I need you to consider and to sit quietly and feel the amazing truth that at this moment Jesus knows absolutely everything about your mind, about your emotions, about your desires. Then you and I need to say to him, whatever it takes, Lord, make me holy. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for knowing all I do, all I think, and all I say. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you never leave us nor forsake us. Oh, Father, how amazing truth this, this is, how precious we are to you because you have created us, you have worked in, in us. Oh God, even in this last verses that we have seen in verse 23 and 24, keep us from thinking or doing anything contrary to you, Father. God, we want to live life that pleases you. God, may we analyze our hearts today. For we thank you for your kindness and your mercy to us. God, I pray for those who do not know you as their Lord and Savior. May they come to the point of their lives, God, that they would recognize you and to have that intimacy and that relationship with you. Knowing, Father, how much you care about us. Pray, dear Lord, that they would repent of their sin and confess their sin, Lord, and acknowledge you as their Lord and Savior. May you do that work by your Spirit today either here in person as well as online, Lord. God, wherever they may be, worked by your Spirit, O oh God. We will give you praise. In the precious name of our Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.